to uh, one more session and showing mercy on the last speaker. Even though you know this is coming to a grand finale, we're no, we had that last night. We're just kind of winding down here. Um, so, as Val was speaking here, I was thinking because so much of what he had to say was what I wanted to say. Um, so, I thought I'm going to go by the seat of my pants and we're going to try something different here. We're going to engage in a discussion. So, I already prepped Val for this. Um, and my subject was going to be secure in suffering. And I've got a whole lesson prepared here for that purpose out of Peter. Peter chapter 4, which is pretty much all about being ready to suffer. And it also talks about pleasure and the pursuit of pleasure, and we've been hearing about that all week. So um, I want to show you a picture. enters its sixth year, civilians are bearing the brunt of intensifying hostilities conducted by an ever-increasing number of warring parties. Extreme suffering over there. I can't imagine it. I haven't visited. Others have come back and say it's a shock to come back. There's no doubt about it live in a dangerous world. Even though the times we live in are frightening, we're on the right course with the very plan God had for this world. Things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. Um, so it's been a probably about two years since I, we've, I've made the trip over to Millbank, South Dakota. And uh, over in Millbank, the church over there was having a youth uh, Bible school. And the speaker was John D. Martin and Paul Shirk. Do, how many of you know John D.? Okay, no review. How many of you know Paul Shirk? A few. Okay. Um, those two men are thinkers. And uh, I was running hard to keep up with them. And uh, after their sessions and in the break there the two sat down and there was a number of us sitting there listening to their conversation and uh, again I kept running hard to keep up but John D. Martin is a telecounselor and um, he was discussing with Paul Shirk or maybe Paul Shirk was quizzing John D. as to how he addresses the questions that come in um, during their, in their telecounseling and probably the biggest question that comes in is why would a loving God allow such why would a loving God allow my five year old daughter to be raped and abused by her uncle can you explain that to me and so John D is you know he's got a 
spot. What I'd like to ask Val to come up here and help me with is, given what he just gave us, and it was beautiful, Val. I mean, you, you sorted it out very well for us. The loving God doesn't allow anything to come into our lives that he has carefully passed through his fingers. How do we take that and answer that question about the five-year-old girl? I didn't give him that whole scenario, so he's a little bit on the spot here. Maybe you should ask them first. Shall we? We can do that. Oh well, let's do that. Let's see. Let's see what what you all are going to are thinking about that. Now, how do you? And perhaps some of you have answered that question and had to wrestle with. Um, I, I just think that uh, everyone, no matter who they are, Christian, non-Christian, we're all. If we're we're creating the image of God and we're we're hunting for meaning in life and we want life to make sense. And so, on this search to make sense of life, we want answers. How, where, when, and, and that's what these people calling on, on telecounselors are are asking. Oh, we want to make, we need to make sense of this. It looks like you're saying you've got an answer. So, you're on spot. <laughs> no, you've got to answer it. Maybe some of you have some ideas before uh, we try to wrestle with it up here.
That's correct. Right, and that's why many people ditch God, because we're not going to even see it. But in ditching God, they also... Now, what are you... Okay, my question would be, now, what are you going to run to? What else is there? You're going to hunt hard and long. But my personal... The Christian worldview has the best answer. And if you're going to ditch God, then what's wrong with raping a five-year-old? Right. What's your standard of right and wrong? Where's the more? Where's your morals? You have no... Because you may think that's a pleasurable thing to do, right. to stomp on the head of a baby. Why is that wrong? back to a, a moral standard. If there's no moral standard, then who sets it? Scriptures we did this morning, um, 
does God, if, if somebody dies, uh, does, does God do it sometimes and Satan do it other times? That's that's the question I'm wrestling with. As um, and I make a choice that uh, that affects my wife, for instance, and hurts her. Um, God, in in that circumstance, will give Barb grace to respond right, even though I brought the the, the pain to her. Now we back up of one step. God allowed me to say what I said that could have caused her to get upset and angry and so forth. Um, but in that, she also God also gave her grace not to. So when a, a negative situation happens, I, I, I think ultimately from the scriptures we looked at this morning that God is the one who allows it to happen when um, those guys came and killed all the of Job's children. Um, you know that's that's on the scope of of uh, uh, raping a five-year-old. Uh, I mean that's that's horrible. Seven children killed, uh, and and so or stealing all his his animals. All those different events that happened, right, one on top of the other. God was in heaven with a bigger perspective than what Job or even all the warriors who came were, uh, were aware of. Proving something. Go ahead, uh, Sandy. Yeah, I was framing it in that form of a question, right, because that puts us on the spot to answer that question, and we should have an answer within our own minds how this takes place. And what, what I heard Val just say just now is that uh, God has allowed him to make a hurtful comment toward Barb. Barb needs to, sorry, Val, uh, need to learn how to respond to that hurtful comment. God allowed him to do that. Is that what I heard you say? Okay.
that's right. That, that's that's faith, and that's where we as believers don't always need to have all the answers, but we know we serve a loving God who who cares about what happens to us, and that's what Val's been emphasizing. We place ourselves in His loving hands, abandon. Um, but that sometimes also God gave us a mind to reason with, and, and we hunt for meaning and purpose, and and when we can see. Uh, purpose and meaning behind our suffering um, and that I understand it, then it becomes much more meaningful. And I could give you examples from my own life. Two of the most significant things about the scripture Sam, Sammy uh, we got three Sams in here. Um, um, one of the most significant things about scripture to me in relation to this whole thing of pain is the shortest verse in the scripture. And you, we, when we get on this side of the altar, can we see Jesus weeping? It, it's not like the situation gets changed immediately and all of a sudden we're on this side worshiping. We can weep with him. And that's worship. There, there's ability to, to worship and weeping. Okay, yep. Excellent point to make. We always must know, people must know that we care deeply about their question. Um, and I was just, I was basically putting that out there in that reference of a question just so we could wrestle with this, this thought. Okay, now about, um, I'm going to play the devil's advocate a little here, okay? Just sounds to me a little bit like when you were talking about God's sovereignty up there and nothing happens that he doesn't orchestrate carefully. It almost sounds to me like uh, I'm on some strings, like a puppet, and I'm dancing to his tune as he moves those strings. Um, that sounds like I don't have much choice in the matter anymore. So I don't have any responsibility for the fact that I said something. Yeah, right. You don't have any responsibility. You were just, you were just in, you were just playing to God's, God's puppet strings here. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, I still have my free will choices here. Now, if God were to remove all of the suffering from this world, uh, if he was really loving, he would remove all of the suffering. So he takes away all the suffering. What is he going to have to take? Isn't he going to need to take away my choice to perpetrate evil? You know, if he takes away my choice to perpetrate evil, um, he's going to have to take a few more things away, too. Um, I, I'm not going to be able to love you anymore, either, because that's a choice. 
And I'm not going to be able to smile at you anymore because that's a choice. Um, and therefore, I'm going to lose my personality. Now what am I? Do you follow where I'm going? That's probably one of the most difficult questions theologians run into. Um, I'm convinced that God allows man sovereignty over his own choices and his own life. He gives us sovereignty over that. But because of his wisdom and his foreknowledge and his sovereignty over everything, he is able to incorporate by knowing who I am, what I'm going to say, where I'm going, what I do, what I shouldn't do, and all those things. He's able to incorporate that into the bigger scope of things while letting me make my own decisions. One example of that would be Pharaoh was making his own decisions and he was hardening his heart. The scripture says that he hardened his heart. So he was making his own decisions. So when at the end God hardened his heart, was that independent of what he'd already done? Or was it outgrowth of what he was already doing. Uh, his God's sovereignty hardened his heart as he was going on in those, those ten uh, plagues. But his own sovereignty set the thing in motion. God used all of his hardening and all that hardening that he did and that God did in delivering Israel in the bigger picture that was a picture of the deliverance of sinners from sin in an even bigger picture. So, again, I don't understand all the implications there, but one of the things in this whole thing of why a five-year-old should get raped and how you explain that, that is that's just so cruel and so wrong. We all know that. that there's a, something that, that uh, is innate in us that rebels against that kind of thing. Um, but if we can see, if we could see in this life, the rewards that little five-year-old girl is going to get as she grows up and utilizes his grace, uh, for, forgives the, the, the abuser, and moves on with the Lord through life, the rewards she's going to get in heaven, God promises, are so much greater and we will rejoice with her that she got more rewards than we did because of the grace that God placed in her life. She's a, she'll be a, a uh, illustration of the beauty of God's grace in, throughout all eternity. Um, so we just see so little. Even now as we try to discuss this question, we don't see the implications and the realities that are going on both in heaven now and that will take place throughout all eternity. Those are things that are just so far away from us that we can't really envision that. But I, I think that that will answer these questions we can't really figure out how to respond to today. That's my faith, that when God allows something to happen, He's got grace and He can pour on it and that He has a reward for His faithfulness. I just think it is so beautiful that uh, a God with so much so much authority and so much sovereignty uh, over 
everything that's taking place in this world, and he's not out of control. But yet he allows me the beautiful gift of my choices to choose to rejoice, to obey, to worship, to enjoy the privileges of life. Um, but in that, I also have the choice to do wrong, and to perpetrate evil. And I, it's much, that's, that's much more valuable than him making me a, um, putting strings on me making me something that's just right, Lester is hand up person. That's true. That's true. We just—I think—we need to be careful um, to not lose our opportunities with people. Um, I do. En- I'll just say this: I do enjoy watching Robbie Zacharias, and obviously Val listens to him some too. In his kind way of addressing the skeptics. Okay, I think he's got something to offer to us to understand. To be careful, we don't quick throw away a question just because it's asked in a cynical way. Some honesty behind it, and it helps me wrestle with deep questions in my own life. And how do I answer these? Um, we're looking for cleanup, and oh, do we have a hand over here? 
excellent things to bring up. We're realizing that if you take the unconditional out of love there and say God is love, but it has, you put it well. Okay. I guess I'll just, uh, we're going to wrap this up here and let you go off and do your cleaning. And, and uh, But I'd just like to say that, the, and Val mentioned this verse as well. Not only is the Christian to endure suffering, but it's to expect it. And I found a lot of comfort in, in the, for this first verse. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, and here's a free will choice, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. He that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. In other words, you won't pursue the lusts like you did before. Because you know that life will involve suffering. And to me, I, I've said, and I'm saying in my mind as I try to make sense of life, that, that uh, the gift that I have to do and to perpetrate pain, and oh, will I sorrow when I do, is also the gift to love you and to enjoy family camp, to have a personality, to have my own being. And um, when I endure hardship, difficult things, struggles in relationships, strife, that's hard. It's not fun to not be at peace with my brothers. I want to work through it. As much as lie within me, live at peace with all men. But those things are tough. When I come back 
going to remind myself that I need to arm myself with this mindset that I'm willing to suffer because it's part of living here. It's just part of it. I can't run from it, but I should sorrow, go to that altar and sorrow and plead with God. And then, as, as I do that, I learn some beautiful lessons and I, a testimony starts to emerge and I can share that testimony with others. Beauty out of the ashes. And now, I've attached meaning to the suffering. Um, I should have had that book down. His name is Frank. He wrote that... Um, he said he was spent time in, in, the, in the German concentration camp, came through. Frank... Um, developed a whole philosophy of counseling actually after this hunt for meaning. I'm just saying, this, this is big. When we learn to understand life that it has meaning, we attach meaning to our suffering, um, a whole big new world of truth emerges. May the Lord help us to that end. I just mentioned that it's been such a privilege to have Bear here with us. And the way he attaches meaning to life meaning to relationships. We have the privilege of having him in our house for Christmas. And he wants to come again this year. And um, he gets his eyes off of himself and in ways that I think I, I'm trying to learn. But you heard him say here that he wishes that he had someone to come home to to welcome him home. He longs for a family but doesn't have one. But God's there for him. So I think it was last year. He got on the phone with um, my in-laws, Kenneth and Ed. And he was just rejoicing with them because um, what was it about? It's about a family issue. Or what was it again? Yeah, that their whole family was together for Christmas. He was just so happy with them, happy for them, um, and just rejoicing. But he doesn't have it. But he offers it to others. I just see a man who's got his, he's gone through a lot of suffering, and frankly, it's not because he's lost his eyesight. He says that is the, like he told us last year on the way home, he said, that's the least of my work, my problems. He doesn't even look at that as an impediment. His problems have to do with accepting and trusting the Lord for life. And so, you know, as he stood up here the other evening and, and just wept with us. I saw an illustration. He, he told Bal, he just took what him and I are trying to teach out of the theology and just put it into right where we live. I just bless God for that. It's just so, such a wonderful gift we have by having Bear around it. And many of you others, the Lord is developing those kind of stories. Shall we, uh, shall we stand together for a prayer? Our Heavenly Father, um, this has been a special gift to be together here at Focus this year. We thank you in these classes of things you've wanted to teach us, these wonderful people that you've brought here. So give us the energy, Lord, as we clean up camp here and gather our young ones and, uh, and finish and finish well. We look forward to um, the possibility 